0: I'm so glad you came tonight. To to me, it'll be so fun for us to look at our future. And we'll get into the millennium tonight. So let's pray. And we'll get right into a little bit of review and get right into the Word. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We we magnify your mercy tonight before we even get into the reading and the hearing of the Word. We we honor you. You're so good and your mercy endures forever. May we broadcast and proclaim how, how wonderful you really are. Uh, you do miracles so great. So we, we honor you tonight, Jesus. We magnify you. I thank you for blessing every person that came, Lord. We thank you for uh, an, an arresting of all of our assignments and a renewal of all of our assignments so that we would walk walk in full stride doing the perfect will of God right here before we leave the planet. I thank you that you can assist us in being harvesters, that we'd have souls swept into the kingdom in such a short period of time. We thank you for demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. We thank you that we'll, we'll see Jesus glorified and magnified, the resurrection glorified. We thank you for that. Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise. I thank you that when we finish tonight, we'll have more of a reverence for you, Jesus. So we lift you up in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So last night, after going through all that stuff, we talked about the reward seat of Christ for just a couple minutes and about that's your next appointment, how uh, the works you've done on the earth, He wants to reward you for. And really, He's rewarding the motive of your heart. Uh, So that's wonderful. Your your motives are exposed right there, whether they're wood, hay, and stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones. And like I said last night, you don't want a bonfire at the reward seat. You don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. Uh, Praise the Lord. So, so wonderful that we, we, at the appointment after the rapture of the church, we go straight there. And then we see, we talked about the Ezekiel 38 war. Let me list the main players, because something even happened today. And I'm going to shoot my end of days update tonight before I leave. And uh, Turkey, in conjunction with Iran, uh, had airstrikes in Iraq today. First time ever Turkey's fired on Iraq. Happened today. So last night we talked about Iran and Turkey being the main players that instigate the the Ezekiel 38 war. But let me list them. you got Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, Syria, and Iraq. Those are the main players. You do have a little bit from Ethiopia and Kush and and the Sudan, but the main players are Turkey, Russia, and Iran. And today you had Iran and Turkey do a joint effort to fire missiles into uh, the Kurds, in Iraq, so it's just bizarre to see them work together. In the past, you would never have thought of Iran and and the and Turkey working together because Turkey is just doing so many weird things. So, so wild things are happening. So we know Jesus is about to come back. We've talked about the signs each night, so I'm going to buzz through those quickly because I want to get straight to. We'll get into a couple of minutes of the second coming because it'll show you who you're going to have oversight over when you see what happens at the second coming. And then it gets a glimpse of our future into play. Because remember I said, you're writing your resume right now for what you'll be doing during the millennium. Jesus said, if you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities or you'll rule over ten cities. I don't want to be using a weed eater in Louisiana during the millennium. Amen? I want want to rule over some areas so I can just see the Lord go, Here is your instruments, Joe. It's a weed eater. No, I don't want that. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. So we know we live in a day when all of the signs are being fulfilled. No other time in history has more verses come to pass than your time. I mean, even Daniel, it was so remarkable. When Gabriel was talking to Daniel, he was showing him, and Daniel was freaking out. He said, man, this is, this is devastating, because he showed him the tribulation period. Daniel goes, man, how is this going to work? What's going to happen? And Gabriel said, don't, don't worry, the ancient of days will prevail. Hallelujah. So he's coming back. So, you live in the lifetime that Israel was regathered, 1948. That's the number one sign, fig tree bud. After that, Jerusalem one back in 1967. Jesus said the generation that sees those two events will not pass away to all is fulfilled. But we've gotten into it every night. You got the Hebrew language restored, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. You got the revival of the Roman Empire. You got 172 different species of predatory birds. So you get birds in position. You got fish showing up in the Dead Sea, prophesied 2,550 years ago, showed up last year. So, how wild to be living when things that were spoken of over 2,000 years ago are happening in your lifetime. So then you had foxes on the Temple Mount. I mean, that's Lamentations 5.18. That was just a few months ago. Then just a few weeks ago, you had the ritual baths around the Temple fill up with water. Then you had the Sea of Galilee fill up with water. The the rabbis are like the Messiah is about to come. Then you had that rabbi that got born again. Jesus appeared to him. And he he prophesied in 2005, I believe it is, that just before the coming of the Messiah, Israel will be ruled by two Benjamins. You have Benjamin Gantz and Benjamin Netanyahu formed a rulership uh, to to, to rule Israel together because they're fighting today over what to do about the West Bank. It's just bizarre to see uh, any kind of nation ruled by two people is going to be bizarre. But the Holy Ghost already said ahead of time what was going to happen. So you're living when God said it, came to pass. God said it, came to pass. God said it, came to pass. So there should be such a wake-up call to us that they're days of destiny. More destiny on, on you than any other group ever in history. I mean, kind of like tag, you're it. I mean, we're going to get to heaven. Elijah's going to go, wow, you walked around with God on the inside of you. He would speak through you. He would alert you to things. He'd even give you a witness about things. He said, we had to have the Spirit come on us, but He's in you. God likes mobile homes. You're a mobile throne. So we're blessed. You know, I talk about this. Go to Matthew 24 and we'll get into what we're going to get into. But I talk about trying to enforce the dominion that we have. Uh, Pastor Tony and I were talking about it. And I I try to, as much as I can, talk about how Elisha... Remember when Elisha had been buried and uh, he had done... One miracle shy of Elijah. He was supposed to have a double portion. One miracle shy of Elijah. But he's uh, dead in that grave and they throw that army man in that grave. And the presence of God absorbed in Elisha's bones raised that army guy from the dead. Did exactly double of what Elijah did. Well, that army guy took off running. I would probably would have take off running myself after that. I'm like, wow, we threw him in here dead. He's coming after us now. Weird. Well... That was through absorption, and that's cool. I mean, absorption into Elisha's bones, the life and the nature of God so quickened him. He did it to a stick in the Old Covenant. I mean, I have firewood, and it doesn't come alive. They put a piece of firewood right in the presence of God, and it started blooming and making almonds. Aaron's rod that buds. Put some water on a piece of firewood and see if you can get it to come back alive. Can't do it. This wood got near him and came alive. Well, Elisha, that was absorbed in his bones, but you know what? You don't have absorption now. He's not, you're not, it's not absorption with you. He's in you. You should be careful walking by cemeteries. <laughs> Amen. you got to go, I, I can't go that near cemeteries. I'm afraid it might raise somebody up. Now, I mean, we laugh about that, but that's literally the truth. If we, if, we, if we focus on how much dominion we have and what you carry, that's what, that's what you operate in. That's what we should. Amen. So let's look at the second coming for just a moment. And uh, there's many, many uh, uh, pictures of it because it's going to show us who makes it through the latter part of the trib and who will come into the millennial reign of Christ in natural bodies. But if you want to get good pictures of it, look at Isaiah. My favorite picture of the second coming is uh, in Zechariah chapter 13 and 14. I mean, it's super graphic. How many of you like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember the old movie with Harrison Ford? You know, at the end of it, the, the, their faces melt away. That's from Zechariah 14. Uh, so it's scriptural. That's what's going to happen. That's pretty dramatic. I mean, that when Jesus physically comes back, there's going to be changes happening instantaneously. So you get different pictures of it, but let's go see what Jesus said about it, and that will get even clearer, and then we'll look at how He sets up this kingdom as we get into the millennium. So look at Matthew 24 if you've got a Bible there. It's page 35 if you've got a Bible like mine. So in the first part of Matthew 24, Jesus is answering their questions, what it would look like. What They said, what's going to be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Well, he said, make sure that no man deceives you and be not troubled. Five things about the coming of the Lord. Don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. I want you happy. I want you hopeful. And I want you comforted. There is no bad news uh, for the church. If you hear end time preaching that scares you, it's not Bible. Let me say that again. If you, cause I Trust, don't get mad at me now. Don't shoot the messenger. I watch guys on TV, wonderful guys, amazing. They have so much knowledge of stuff, but they'll take verses out of context and it produces fear. If you hear a message that produces fear, it's not for the church. I think I'll do Elvis on that. I haven't done enough Elvis lately, but here we go. <laughs> So watch what Jesus says here in Matthew 24. He's going to answer their questions and then He's going to get precision about what it will look like. Matthew chapter 24, look down at verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So remember the rapture is a secret coming. He doesn't even come back to the earth. We go up to meet Him in the air. At the second coming, it's not secret. It's pretty, pretty radical. I've never seen lightning that was casual. I've been in some houses when lightning struck right by it, you know, and and it was a wake-up call. I thought, wow, there's lightning right here. There's thunder and lightning right I mean, kaboom. Well, he said this is what his second coming is going to be like. Pretty dramatic. So he goes down and gives you more information. He says in verse 29, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. The stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn And they'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and great glory. Now verse 31 is a bizarre verse. He'll send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they'll gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. Now this is, He's getting ready to break it up, showing us what happens at the second coming. He said, I'm going to let the wheat grow with the tares, and at the end of the age the angels will be the reapers. Right here at the second coming, He's going to pluck the wicked off off the earth. And leave the righteous, natural-bodied people on the earth. At the second coming, it's the opposite of the rapture. He takes the wicked off the earth. Okay, so let's let's go and look at it. Here we go. Everybody with me? Am I in the right room? Come on, praise the Lord. Here we go. All right, look at, look here at Matthew twenty-four. Look at verse thirty-seven. Uh, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this is amazing, for as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So look at this in the midst of seven years of radical signs, same signs that Moses used with Pharaoh. I mean, dramatic working of miracles, dramatic trumpet judgments, bold judgments, water turned into blood. I mean, people are fishing. We're not. Not catching much. Well, duh, the water turned to blood. So they've had seven years of that, but they still want to marry and give in marriage. They still want to date. They want life as usual. All the way up until the second coming. In the midst of great tribulation... They're still trying to date and trying to marry. So watch what the Lord says, what happens here in verse 40. Then shall be two in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. That's not the rapture, that's at the second coming. All of the gospel verses have nothing to do with the rapture. They're all second coming verses. So he says there, and another one in verse 41, two women shall be grinding at the mill, one shall be taken and the other left. So he gives you the percentage there at the second coming, 50% of the people who have gotten born again. The Bible says the harvest is innumerable that happens happens during the tribulation. It can number a 200 million man army at the second coming, but it can't number how many people get saved. That's a lot of people. So it's just like when Jesus was on the cross. You had one thief get saved, the other thief did not. 50%. So the same percentage here. So let's go a little further. He, he explains what's going to happen right there at the second coming and, and who basically you're going to have rulership over. So he gets a little further. Look at chapter 25. Skip down to verse 31. I know I'm going fast because I want to get to the millennium. It just takes me a minute. All right. Chapter 25, look at verse 31. And when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, He shall sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. He'll separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He'll set the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. And then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, Blessed of my Father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So God likes this natural kingdom, and He's got these natural people that make it through the latter part of the trib, that He goes, come on, enter into this kingdom that I prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Just because His plan got interrupted by Lucifer didn't mean He changed His mind. There'll be natural people on the earth forever. That's what makes it so cool about you and I. We're going to be in glorified bodies forever. That we're going to be a ruling class of people for eternity, ruling over the the mortals. Bless their hearts. Amen. And we'll we'll be in glorified bodies. They're going to be in natural bodies. So this shows you, this is the sheep and goat judgment. Gosh, I can't believe I'm getting into this but a minute. But He judges the nations at the second coming based on how they treated his brethren, the Jews. And we hear a lot of preachers use these verses to scare people. Remember how people try to weasel their way into the millennium. And Jesus, they say, you know, I prophesied for you and I ministered for you. And the Lord goes, I never knew you. He's not talking to the church there. He's talking to the guys at the end of the trip trying to weasel their way into the kingdom. And he goes, dude, you were never saved. Why are you trying to do this? Trying to pull one over on the Lord. But I hear Word of Faith preachers use that verse uh, to say people aren't going to go in the rapture. And that's not has nothing to do with the rapture. These are all second coming verses. So it's pretty dramatic. Let's go look at another picture. You with me? Let's look at another picture. Look at Revelation. This is a good one. Revelation 19. And we'll get closer to the millennial reign. Because it gets so cool that we're living just before all this happens. So go to Revelation 19. If you got your Bibles there, it's uh, page number... 3.21 if you've got a Bible like mine. 3.20, sorry. Now these are verses you know so well, but it gives you another depiction of it. It's so cool. And it gives you some hints and little keys about what it'll be like in the millennium. And then we'll get into the millennium. Revelation 19, look at verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. That's so cool. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are with him in heaven, that's us, the armies that are with him in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth will go a sharp sword that he'd smite the nations. He'll rule them with a rod of iron. Remember that. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. In other words, they're going to try to rebel in the millennium, so he's going to have to rule them with a rod of iron. See that? So he has to rule them with a rod of iron, which that's just bizarre. And he said, He treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. He hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Wow! Wow! I always like to say the boss is coming back. Man. <laughs> I mean, that's it right there. Buckle up. It's, it's over. And in the next verse, he talks about uh, calling on the fowl of the air to come clean the land up. I mean, if, you, if you've ever been to Israel, the, the uh, Mount Carmel where Elijah was, you can look down over the valley. It's the Valley of Megiddo. And uh, Napoleon said, this is the greatest place there ever could be for a battle because it's so set up perfectly for a great war. Didn't even know he was talking about the Battle of Armageddon right there. The Bible says the blood will be... Uh, up to the horse's bridle there one of the times I was there I was up uh, I heard this noise up on Mount Carmel and I was looking out over the valley and I heard like a jet spooling up you know And I thought, man, what is that? All of a sudden, an F-16 came out of a hole in the ground and going straight vertical. I told my buddy, Tom DeMond, I said, dude, I just saw an F-16 come out of a hole in the ground. He once again said, you've lost your mind. I said, no, I did. A couple seconds later, you could hear that jet spooling up, and an F-16 comes shooting out of the ground, underground runway, right where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be. So I guess they go and then hit this window and go straight vertical. They flew right up over us. I could see the look on the pilot's face. That F-16 was so close to me, went right over Mount Carmel. I said, man, they, they know what they're doing. Hallelujah. <laughs> so days of great change. And you know, this is crazy. In the Tulsa World paper, they talked about a park they've set up there in the Valley of Megiddo and put uh, concrete benches uh, so people could view the greatest battle that's ever going to be. So you got, you got bleachers set up for the war. <laughs> How crazy is that? So here at the second coming, Jesus stops war and then judges the nations, how they treated Israel. Nations that didn't treat Israel very nice aren't going to be here during the millennium. So, so it's the event of all events where he comes back to reign for a thousand years. The Prince of Peace. Lucifer's is about to kill, steal, and destroy. Think about it. The Antichrist will have three and a half years. The latter part of the trib, when he enters into a man, all he'll do is go kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus had three and a half years. What did Jesus do? went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So this is the reckoning point right here. So let's start into the millennium. Here are the second coming. Jesus stops war. I mean, if you looked at all that's going to happen, it's just so amazing. And the pictures all throughout the Old Testament are so amazing and we're going to be coming back with him on white horses. So what a view we have. I heard Sister Wilkerson talk about your gate or where your place is, and that is how you walk with God in this dispensation. So I want to be close. I don't want to be holding up the caboose of the whole deal. I have a feeling I probably will be at the very end, but whatever. At least I'll have a good view of everybody getting all excited coming down. How crazy is that going to be to be on a horse flying from heaven to earth? It would be cool. I hope my horse is sharp. <laughs> I hope I don't have the dunce horse. You know, like, Give Joe the crazy one. No, no, no. I want the cool horse. Come on. So let's go to Revelation 20 and we see the start of the millennial reign of Christ. This is so cool. Look at Revelation chapter 20. This is that thousand years Where the curse is lifted off the earth and Jesus reigns from Jerusalem. So, watch the beginning of it here in verse 1 of chapter 20. He says, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. So, one angel is going to bind the devil. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Cast him into that bottomless pit and shut him up. Set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Then after that he must be loosed for a little season. So we see Lucifer locked up and put in this pit right there at the beginning of the millennium. This is just me in conjecture. I'm believing God that I'm going to ask the Lord if I can go over and sing over that pit and sing to the devil. Hey, you pit dweller, how's it going down there? I'm going to torment him as much as I possibly can. (laughs) And if I started to sing to him, it would be absolute torment. (laughs) Amen. But notice Lucifer is locked up at the beginning of the the millennial reign of Christ. So let's go and watch and look at nature. Let's see what changes. The moment the Prince of Peace comes back, you instantly have change. Go to Isaiah chapter 11. And we're going to go to a lot of verses, but they will show us exactly what happens and what it's like in that time. So it's going to be so fun. Look at Isaiah chapter 11. Look down at verse number 4. Isaiah chapter 11, this is page 785, if you've got a Bible like mine. but with Verse 4, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He'll smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. Wow, that's at the second coming. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. Faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. You'll have a kid walking a lion in the park. How weird is that going to be? You see a lion walking up with some kid with a lion on a leash. I mean, that's probably going to freak us out a little bit. But look how nature's altered the moment the Prince of Peace comes back. Even animals that would normally kill people, they'd be a beast. They're no more a beast. Their, their nature is, is tamed at the presence of the king. Wow. He goes even further. He gives you a little bit more insight. He says in verse 8, The suckling child shall play in the hole of an ash. The weaned child shall put his hand on the cock Christ in. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I mean, you're going to have Jesus on CNN, Jesus on MSNBC, Jesus on Fox. You're going to have Jesus on every network, man. It's going to be, it'll be all about him. It'll be what's the king's itinerary today. And in the afternoon, you won't have Ellen or Dr. Oz. You'll have the Apostle Paul has his own show. (laughs) He interviews Pastor Tony and Jeanette and goes, what was it like pastoring in the last days? And and you'll go, we took your letters to show who we are in Christ so it would strengthen us. And you'll all of a sudden hear angels going, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So it's going to be a wonderful thousand years. The curse is lifted, nature's changed, and the knowledge of the Lord's gone everywhere. I used to kind of think the Lord was going to do like we wish. You know how the would twinkle her nose and everything would change? He's going to let man rebuild the whole earth. It's amazing what's going to happen. It's going to be very, very, very natural, yet with Jesus reigning from Jerusalem. The Jews will, have, will be in charge of natural things. They'll be the head of all the nations. The Bible even breaks down each tribe that will have a section of land in Israel. They'll have their own section And they'll be ruling over the natural affairs of the earth, while you and I in the church are ruling over spiritual things. Remember, Paul said, Why would you take a matter to court when you're going to judge angels? The word judge, there's the word rule. In other words, you're going to be (laughs) why it would be ridiculous for you to do that when you're going to be ruling the earth, like God raised up judges in the old covenant to reign over Israel. So you're going to have a bizarre sphere of influence, and we'll get to more of that here in a few minutes, but it's going to be very, very cool, very, very normal. And we even talked about this today. You've learned Jesus' thought pattern through His Word, not through feelings not through circumstances, but through His Word. So maybe you're doing a, a, an errand in South Africa, and Jesus is reigning in Jerusalem. You know exactly Jesus' thoughts, because you know His character through His Word. And that verse, in the ages to come, He'll show forth His goodness and His kindness to those that first trusted in Him. We we trusted in Him, when we couldn't see Him. This is what's going to happen. Those natural people that come through the latter part of the trib, they're going to have children, and when their children reach the age of accountability, they're going to go, there's Jesus right there. You need, to, you need to receive Him as your Savior. And some people will reject him which i have no idea what is he too bright i don't like his beard how how do you not like jesus come on and and we'll see what happens here because there's things that, that the bible calls them heathen during that thousand years even with a perfect society but god's so cool even with a perfect society with jesus ruling and lucifer bound he wants man to make the decision to love him without a tempter and man will even choose to go the dark way without Lucifer there to even tempt them. That's why Jesus has to rule with a rod of iron and has a whole group of overseers to help him. So let's go look at it a little more. Everybody with me? I know that's a lot of info for a minute, but hang with me. We'll get to the songs in a moment. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Here, hit CD number seven. I'll do the songs off my greatest hits album. Here we go. Don't do that. Go to Isaiah 30. I, saw, I felt real fear there. <laughs> that, that's tangible fear. Go to Isaiah 30 and let's look a little bit more. We'll get into all this. Because, you know, you don't get a lot of information about the millennium preached. But once we see how fun it's going to be, it's easy to be faithful now. And also, you see such an injection of the knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit in the last 40 years. Because right now, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. There's going to be a fulfillment of those powers in the millennium. And we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. But it all starts making sense the longer we get into it. So you got your Bibles there? Go to Isaiah 30. I know we're going to a lot of verses. And look at Isaiah 30. Let's look at nature again for a minute. Here we go. Isaiah 30, look at verse 26. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be as the light of the sun. The light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of seven days. And the day that the Lord binds up the breach of His people and heals the stroke of their wound. So during the millennium, nighttime is going to be like our day right now. Daytime will be seven times brighter. So you've got photosynthesis, you've got more of an oxygen-rich environment, it's just probably like before the flood, longevity is restored to a thousand years, but how cool will it be to never get dark? You know, growing up as a kid, we played football every day. You'd go to football practice, and even after football practice, you'd come home and play football after football practice. And then when it got dark, you went under the streetlight and played kill the man with the ball, because you wanted to play in the dark. But it ain't going to be cool. It's never going to get dark. I know what I'm going to do the first few months of the millennium. If it's okay, I'm going to play golf at St. Andrews. Then I'm going to be translated to Augusta and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Pebble Beach and play golf. I'm going to be translated to Hawaii and play golf. I'm going to come right back around to St. Andrews and play golf. And I might play golf all night because I won't get tired. It'll never get dark. (laughs) Might play with some of those poor mortals. They go, well, I got to go to bed. I ain't got to go to bed. Come on. He that hath the sun hath life. You know, so it's going to be hilarious. I mean, people think, will your golf swing be good? No, you still have to figure out how to swing. He's not going to fix your swing, (laughs) but you won't get tired. I mean, how cool is that to play play a sport and not get exhausted? It's going to be so cool. I mean, it's going to be amazing. So the, the whole nature of everything is going to revolve around honoring Jesus. I would imagine the sporting... Uh, teams that play sports. So you say, well, you mean there'll be sports? I believe there will be. I, I know you guys can all rebuke me when we get there, but the teams will be wanting to win their games for Jesus, not for themselves. Athletes will be doing things for to honor Jesus. Like when they'd get a gold, silver, or bronze, they would go, man, that, that's for you, king. And they'd present those gifts to him. So there'll be I think there'll be sports, there'll be, there'll be business, there'll be all kinds of stuff. They'll even be tithing. I know that freaks people out, but there'll be tithing to, to Israel. <laughs> I know that's crazy. Let's, how about church? What do you mean church? Let's look at church. Okay, grab your Bibles and let's go look at church. Go to Zechariah 14. And it's easy to find Zechariah because it's right before Malachi. You know where Malachi is because of tithing. Come on, go to Malachi and back up. Because normally most of us aren't reading Zechariah every day. But man, Zechariah's got some great, uh, great verses. Super, super, super detailed. So go to Malachi and back up, go to Zechariah 14. I'm having trouble finding it myself. Here we go. Zechariah 14, he's going to give you church right here. Watch church. This to me is just absolutely bizarre. Okay, Zechariah 14, watch how he words this to make it super clear. In Zechariah 14, he says in verse 16, this is page 1049, if you've got a Bible like mine. Everybody with me? Zechariah 14, verse 16. It shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. So there's going to be people that are left that came up there. In other words, they make it through the latter part of the trib. They've gotten born again and they don't have to be plucked off the earth. Okay, They don't have to be taken then. He says, they'll even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not go up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them will be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, they'll come not, they'll have no rain. There shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So with Jesus physically reigning from Jerusalem, you got people that still don't get saved. Makes me feel a little bit better because we labor and work so hard to try to get people born again. They'll be able to see Him and still not, re- not receive Him. And the Lord's so cool. He's kind of, I like how He kind of words it. Hey, you don't have to come to church, but you don't get any rain. You don't get any rain, you don't get any crops, you don't get any crops, you don't have any money, you don't have any food. No problem. What I like about it is, you know, right now I continually feed myself. I listen to John Osteen. I listen to Charles Capps. I specifically feed on Kenneth Hagan on YouTube. I'm feeding my spirit as much as I possibly can because the, the atmosphere you live in, people aren't telling you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How many of you at your jobs, they tell you that today? No, I didn't think so. But you know what's amazing? They go to church once a year and it sustains them for the entire year. Jesus is so filled with life. They're there once a year and that's all the nourishment they need. Wow. Man, right now we need nourishment every single day. They go once a year and it sustains them to be in His presence. Just like on the road to Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us the words that He spoke to us? Man, I'm sure when Jesus speaks some words to them, they're going to be lit for 365 days. So that's church. So amazing that in the midst of a perfect environment, people still uh, uh, are called heathen. They don't believe. Now, I, that pretty much blows my mind right there. I mean, how you can find fault with Jesus, I don't know. Because the movies going to be about Jesus. I mean, the movies will be uh, Peter and John going up to the, the temple, the gate called Beautiful, the hour of prayer. I mean, you're going to see that, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the book of Acts in video. People will be able to see everything. It's going to be wonderful. Very joyous time. Very, very fulfilling time, very fun time. All right, let's go look at a little bit more. Go over to Isaiah. you got your Bibles there? We're getting closer to what our jobs are going to be. It just takes me a little while to get there. Go over to Isaiah. You guys are so kind. It's easy to get into everything. Go to Isaiah 60, Isaiah chapter 60, and let's look at this, and he starts showing us a little bit about what's going on. Isaiah chapter 60, the latter part of the verse there, the latter part of the chapter, verse 21. He gives you some more detail about the millennium. Isaiah 60, verse 21. Thy people also shall all be righteous. They'll inherit the land forever. The branch of my planning, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten at my time. So people are going to just have a, a, a wonderful uh, season. Uh, have, may have their own nation. How cool would that be? I wonder, I wonder what Pastor Tony is going to call his nation. I wonder what it would be. be be the, what would be the label for it? I don't know. Amen. <laughs> so let's go to look at chapter 61. It gives you a little bit more details. Chapter 61, look at verse 4. They'll build up the waste places. They'll raise up former desolations. And they'll repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. So, so you're going to see a, a, a really probably the first hundred years of repair of all the areas that were decimated by nuclear war i have preached in russia many times and one of the times i was in the ukraine this is like 91 right when the wall came down and i was in the apartment they have you staying in i'm walking out and i thought who would let their dogs go to the bathroom in the hallways this is so weird i thought about kids you know kids are having to walk around where the dogs have been they said no that's not the dogs that's the humans yeah so russian people don't own anything so if you don't own anything you don't take care of anything that's what socialism does So I know what Russia's going to do the first 100 years of the millennium. They're going to have a super soaker filled with Clorox, and they're going to be spraying their country down. I'm serious, man. It's just just not, just not clean. Our country, I don't care what anybody says, everybody from Russia wants to come to America. The worst part of America is better than every part you may go to in Russia. We're just blessed. We have a very, very blessed nation. Amen. So you see natural things happening here. God letting men rebuild the earth. I said that the other day. I think there'll be roller coasters. I was in Grand Isle. The Lord said, tell them they've never seen a roller coaster until they see one in the millennium. I mean, how cool is that going to be to be on a millennial roller coaster? Wow. Man, that's going to be cool. All right, let's get closer to what our jobs are going to be. Let's talk about it for a minute and then we'll get some verses here because there's a few things we'll get into that are really cool here for, just for a few moments. Right now, Lucifer has a certain amount of rulership over the earth because Adam gave it to him. Uh, Paul called it principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wicked spirits in heavenly places. All the devil was doing was copying what the Lord's going to do during the millennium. Because, see, you'll be a ruler over a certain area. So, so these evil spirits try to rule over an area right now. But there's coming a time where well, that's coming to a naught. The lease is just about up and we know the second coming is about to happen. But he gives you a picture of God's rulership. So let's go look at this. Look at Isaiah there. Grab your Bibles there. Skip over to chapter 65, and he gets closer to what you and I will be doing. This is when it starts getting fun, so fun. And Daddy won't take the T-word away. I think that kind of dates me a little bit right there, but here we go. (laughs) Look at Isaiah 65. Look at verse 20. There shall be no more than an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not fulfilled his days. Hmm. For a child shall die a hundred years old. Now he tells you how they would die at 100 years old because they're a sinner. But the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. So the sinner at 100 years old, if he dies, he goes to hell. He's accursed. Okay, indicating what happens to the natural-bodied saint. He's going to tell you in here in just a second. They shall build up the houses, they'll inhabit them, they'll plant vineyards, they'll eat the fruit of them. So, so natural-bodied sinners, when they die at 100 years old, it's like you died as a kid, but you're accursed, you go to hell, indicating the natural-bodied saint's not subject to death. And I'll show you why they're not subject to death. You have a natural-bodied saint that's living in the millennial reign of Christ, not, the, not one of us glorified ones, not one of us in the church, a natural-bodied saint. Maybe they come into your building and they're going to change the wiring in your speaker. And they get up on a tall ladder. He slips. Maybe his name's Alan. He gets up on a tall ladder and slips and falls and breaks his neck. Well, you walk right through the wall and you go, Alan. It's a good thing you live in the millennium. Rise, take up your bed and walk. You're enforcing the kingdom and raising people up everywhere you go. It's in you to raise people up. That's why we're frustrated in this dispensation because you're tasting. You give me a taste of pizza, that just gets me mad. I want the whole pizza. <laughs> so what we're doing right now is we're tasting. That's exactly how it's going to be. A word of wisdom would be you saw it before it happens, but, but, but you say, why does the Lord let that happen? Because Alan probably said his whole life, I'll probably slip on a ladder and break my neck one day. And You know what? He has exactly what he says, just like we do now. So God, God lets men set the tone for their life, just like he lets you and I set the tone for our lives. If you don't like how your life is going, start changing what you're saying. Change the course of your life with your tongue. But now hang with me, it's going to be so cool. Let's say you got a motorcycle guy. I grew up doing motocross, you know, but not one time did I ever dream of flipping over when I hit a jump. We would make jumps and we would jump way up into where the trees were and we would mark on the top of the trees with T-shirts with blood all over them, how high we went. I'd come back with my motorcycle and my shocks are all exploded. My dad would go, what have you been doing? Nothing, Dad. Everything's good. No, it was crazy. But you know what? Could you imagine a guy in the millennium, he's on a motorcycle. He does a jump and flips, flips over and breaks his neck. All of a sudden, you've already seen it in a vision. That's called a word of wisdom. You're translated over there and you walk over and go, man, it's a good thing you live right now. Rise, take up your bed and walk. It's totally in you to enforce the kingdom. So you've learned this in natural bodies, think how cool it will be in a glorified body. Let me give you some. I'll give you a couple of them here. I was preaching in California years ago. took my daughter with me her senior year. And we were preaching in a church in California. And as we walked in, I had a word of knowledge. I saw a guy look looked just like Robert Redford. And in the vision, he, I saw this kind of vision. He had his hands around the pastor's throat upside down like that, like he thought he was over him. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just like that, upside down. I told Lauren, I said, gosh, there's a guy in the church. He looks like Robert Redford. He's trying to choke the pastor like he's over him. Lauren goes, Dad, that's weird. And so anyway, the pastor came walking in. He's a good friend of mine. I know him. I've known him for years. I said, hey, man. I said, you got a guy in your church. He looks just like Robert Redford. And I said, he's got his hands around your throat upside down uh, like he's choking you. And that pastor friend of mine said, that's right. I said, we're supposed to start another church. And that guy told me, I'm not going to let you start that church. I believe it was because of fear. He thought he might lose his pastor or whatever. But still, you don't try to do that so, you know, uh, my buddy, back then we wore ties, <laughs> my buddy opened up the collar of his shirt and showed me the rash he had on his throat because he was under so much pressure with that guy telling him, I'm not going to let you start that church. Well, you know, that's bizarre. So, you know, you have kind of a side door as you come in. Lauren and I kind of walked in through the side door with the pastor. I saw the guy who looked just like Robert Redford. I go, Lauren, look, there's the guy who looks just like Robert Redford. I got up and said, Thus saith the Lord, he who looks like Robert Redford. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no. No, the, the Lord doesn't embarrass anybody. He'll embarrass hypocrites, but he doesn't embarrass anybody. I taught about the plan and the purpose of God on that pastor, how he has an apostle's call to build and to plant. Don't try to control it. Get involved in it, and the Lord will bless you. Those blessings will come on even into your life. And the glory of God fell to put his stamp of approval on that pastor starting that other church. Since then, that pastor started that other church. It's grown bigger than the mother church. So, see, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. Tasting could alter a church to be able to start another church. Think what experiencing it will be. See, we have this tendency to think we're just going to be raptured in harp time. What do you do? Harp class, harp time. No. You're learning all this because you're going to be functioning in all this. It's not, I mean, would that be so weird? There's a couple of words you're never going to say again. I'm bored. Because man, the the youth, you think that we're just going to be sitting around? No, you'll never say this is really lame. No, your your, your main word is going to be wow, 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 because everything's going to be over the top. All right, let's look at another one. I, I remember years ago. Uh, how many of you know Michael Kalsrip over in Oakland, Iowa? You know, my, you you came over there, and uh, uh, I've been to Pastor Michael and Jones for years. Now they're normal. I taught their sons how to use their handbrake and do 180s in their cars. Okay. <laughs> But I taught them on snow, and of course, them being crazy, they started doing that on dry pavement and ruined the hubs of their tires. So every time I go, Pastor Mike goes, Joe uh, ruined my son's wheels. I said, no, I showed them that on snow. So it's a very normal church, you know, and I've known them for years. <laughs> so I was going there one year, you know, I was staying in Council Bluffs and driving over toward Oakland, and you know how you get on that one road, there's cornfields on each side, so I'm thinking, Lord, Lord, don't, I don't want to fall asleep on the way to church because the, the cornfields kind of put you in a state of, you know, kind of neutral. And they even have speed bumps because people have run into their building. So I'm driving over there to preach one morning. And uh, on my way there, thinking, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. All of a sudden, I had a vision. Uh, and I'll never forget, I saw Pastor Mike fly his own airplane. It was like a Cessna 172. It was an overwing Cessna. He landed that plane on a runway, got out, and walked up to this young pastor. This pastor walked up. He, he had an outline. He said, I'm going to try to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Next thing I see Mike take that plane off, go fly to another city, land on a runway. I saw the cracks on the runway. It's a different runway. I could tell where they would repaired the runway with you know, asphalt. Another young pastor walked out. Mike went over there to him said, I'm going to help you. Took the same outline. said, I'm going to help you not make some of the same mistakes I may have made. Boom. After that, I'm in my car going, what in the world? I'm driving. I don't even know where I am. Thank God I didn't hit the building. Amen. So I got to the building. And you'd hate to just bust through and go, boom, open your Bibles to Mark 5. <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. So I got in and preached a little bit, and, uh, and, I, and I said, Pastor Mike, I had something for you. I saw something on the way to church here. I, I said, if it means something to you, wonderful. If it doesn't, I could forget it. I could miss it by a mile. I'm so imperfect, dear God. I said, but you'll have your own airplane. You'll use it like a car. You'll fly around here to help these young pastors not make some of the same mistakes you may have made. He kind of smiled. Finished the service. He got up with the microphone. He said, what did I say from the platform last week? I'll have my own airplane. I'll use it like a car. I'll fly around to these pastors and help them. Back then, Ramah hadn't even picked him to be a regional director. Right after that, Ramah picked him to be a regional director. He used that car to go up into North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. Exactly what the Holy Ghost said. Why would God go to so much trouble? Well, because some people in the church might have gone, well, who does he think he is? He needs an airplane. Well, God's trying to show the plan and the purpose of God for his life. See, that's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting of the power of the world to come. So we're all in a season of tasting, so this is normal for us, not abnormal. I'll give give you another one. Uh, I won't bore you because I I won't go too long. I want you to come back. Praise the Lord. Pastor Tony is going to reveal the Antichrist tomorrow night. It's going to be powerful. You don't want to miss that. So I remember I was in Yuma, Arizona years ago. You ever been to Yuma, Arizona? Thank God we're in Omaha tonight. Come on, hallelujah. I mean, if you're you're from Yuma, God bless you, but I'm glad you're not there tonight. But anyway, I was in Yuma, and I was traveling with this prophet. Man, he was one of those guys, that say, just one of those crazy prophet guys, the real wild eyes, you know, looks like that. (laughs) I told Pastor Tony, I said, I'm not weird enough to have any kind of anointing because all the guys I worked around were just, they'd get that weird look, like, oh, here we go, (laughs) buckle up, here it comes. But I was working with this guy, and uh, after the service, you know how you go back and run the book table? I was just technically his crusade director or whatever you call it. Also now I'm back at the book table and I have a vision. I see the pastor of that church in a, in a push-pull airplane is what it's called. It has an engine going this way and an engine going that way. It's a twin engine, but it's weird how they're uh, opposed, and it's called a push-pull. And I saw the pastor in this push-pull, and it was in a dive. I mean, the papers were flying everywhere. That pilot was pulling back on the yoke trying to pull that plane out of a dive. And I was like, oh, my Lord, I could, I could see them panicking, you know, in this push-pull. And I thought, man, that's crazy. I'm back there working the book table. We were getting ready to go to Denny's to get a Grand Slam. So, you know, we, I'm thinking, okay, I've I got to say something to that pastor at some time. So we're going to Denny's to get a Grand Slam. You know, I ordered my pancakes, my bacon and all that. I'm sitting there eating, thinking I have to say something to this pastor sometime. But, you know, I'm the shine guy. I'm not really supposed to say anything. So I'm just kind of figuring out when do I say something because it was really bothering me. Then that pastor all of a sudden said, hey, I'm going flying tomorrow. Oh, man, my ear's perked up. He goes, yeah, I'm going in what's called a push-pull airplane. I'm like, oh, I'm spitting my food out. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there going, when do I say this? Because, you know, there's protocol for that with the guy you work for, you know, to have the opportunity. But, man, it was freaking me out. So I got to the end, finally said, hey, Pastor, i got to say this. I said, I had a vision before we even came over here to Denny's. I said, I saw you in a push-pull airplane, and you were in a dive. I said, I'll tell you what your pilot looks like. He's bald-headed, got little gold, round rim glasses like that. And he goes, yeah, that's my pilot. And he was yoke, pulling back on the yoke of that plane. Papers are flying everywhere. I said, don't, don't be afraid. Just make sure you check everything out before you go. Okay, I flew from Yuma back to Tulsa. That pastor called me. He said, I went out to the airport. That guy had used fraud. He'd lied, said he had a checkout ride in a push-pull. Never been in a push-pull. All that pastor did was get a different pilot to fly him, and it saved his life. That's not the power of the world to come. That's tasting. So see, that's a word of wisdom. That's a warning. So see, we're, we've been hearing all this stuff so that it's normal for us. Because if that's tasting, think of what our fulfillment of this will be. Oh, my Lord, you're, you're, you're going to be so excited because, you know, we're frustrated now because we want more results. It's because it, you're supposed to have more results. And very, very soon we're going to start having radical results. So learn of the, of the presence of God. Learn of the gifts now so that we're, during the millennium we're not going, I'd hate to be in the remedial course during the millennium. Like, what do you mean gifts of the Spirit? Nine different manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Let me give you one more. i will oh, we'll go to Revelation 20. I'll give you one more as we go to 20. You with me? Everybody with me for two more minutes? Seven more minutes? Five more minutes? I don't know how Bruce Black used to say, can you give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. <laughs> Look at Revelation 20. As you're going there, I'll give you one more that's pretty cool. Years ago, Colleen and I were living out in California. And uh, we were traveling out of a church because we felt like we were supposed to go there to help that church. And uh, we'd come back to Tulsa for Winter Bible one February. And uh, we were going to a birthday party for my uh, uh, sister and brother-in-law. had a son named Zach. I guess he turned 22 at that birthday party. So we're going to go to the birthday party after Winter Bible. After Winter Bible, we'd go to the house where the birthday party is. And it was kind of a circle drive. And it was so many people there, I couldn't get through the drive. So I told Lauren, my daughter, and Colleen, my wife, I said, Now, you guys go through that door right there. And I'm going to back up this way because I can't get any further there. So I looked back behind me and went to back up. I didn't see that Colleen had looked through the window and saw some kinfolks of ours and stood right there at the front of the truck, uh, the, the minivan. I didn't see her. I backed up this way and ran over my wife. I heard my wife screaming bloody murder. And I thought, oh, my!" I knew exactly what I thought. I just ran over Colleen. I pulled off of Colleen, <laughs> got out and walked over there. Lauren's standing there over Colleen. Colleen is screaming bloody murder. Cats and dogs and kids came running. I mean animals came running because Colleen is screaming bloody murder. I looked at her and I said, I command your ankle and your leg to be healed right now in the name of Jesus. And I said, get up. And she looked at me like, are you crazy? Get up. I mean, that look of like, have you lost your mind? I said, get up. I picked her by the hands like that, picked her up. The power of God went up and down her body like a heater. She goes, oh my God, this is real. We we're standing there, you know, kind of freaked out that I just ran over my wife and freaked out that she has no pain. We walk into the party, and my sister goes, Joe, how you doing? I go, meh, meh, got good. I mean, I, could, I couldn't even, I was doing the goat boy. I couldn't even talk, man. I was like, meh. I seriously couldn't speak English because I just ran over my wife. Note to self, don't run over your wife. But, you know, as radical as that is, that's tasting. That's not the power of the world to come. That's a taste. So, so we, we have a whole season of, of all of this being fulfilled in our lives. I mean, you know what, Colleen? I left for Daytona the next day, flew to Daytona to preach. She flew back to California. And she's running, jogging in the neighborhood after having her leg crushed underneath the tire. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. Look at Revelation 20, and we'll stop with this. Look what he says here. This, is, this, this to me, is the, the bizarre of all bazaars. But look at Revelation 20, uh, verse 7. Look at the end of the millennium. After a whole thousand years of, of people seeing you operating this stuff, functioning this stuff, the kingdom being implemented, Jesus riding from Jerusalem, uh, uh, Paul having shows every afternoon, Here we go, Revelation 20, verse 7. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Mm -hmm. So that's the last rebellion right there. Notice the first place Lucifer brings those people, Jerusalem. So he he gets to gather the rebels that enter a perfect environment. They chose to follow darkness when Jesus is physically there. So we still have our work cut out for us to show them Jesus' personality. You know, like when you see someone break their neck and all of a sudden you walk over to them and they're set free, you're showing what Jesus is like. So God's going to have you doing that all over the earth. What a cool assignment we'll have for a thousand years. And then we know what happens after that, the great white throne judgment. We know that that happens then. And then God takes a U-Haul and moves the new Jerusalem down to the earth. And the earth is renovated by fire. But God's going to move His address to us. How crazy is that? And then if you read it in Revelations, the the people on the earth will eat of the tree of life just like Adam and Eve could have eaten of the tree of life. It's for the sustaining of the nations. You won't have to eat of the tree of life because He that hath the Son hath life. You're in a different dispensation. The further we go, the cooler we find out how cool the church age is. Yeah, right. That forever, forever, you'll go, Wow, we lived in a segment of time where God was not grading people, God was not mad at people, God was not critiquing people, he loved them and was doing everything he could to get their attention. So during that time, man, you talk about bizarre it'll be for people to reject him. Very, very strange. Isn't he good? His mercy endures forever. So that's our future. Wonderful things ahead. If we've come to the very end of the church age, man, let's give it our all. This is what we'll step into. Let's give it everything we can. You know, and and I I have this one thing to tell you, and I know I keep saying that, so I promise it's 8.08. I'm letting you know it's not too late, is it? We're all right. I remember a meeting I was in with another friend of mine in, in Colorado. Mark Brzee was a speaker, and I was a speaker, and we were trading off morning and night. and they had a minister's luncheon one of the days I was there. And man, I could remember the barbecue smelled so good, and the church was like, man. So after I spoke that morning, I went home to get my family to bring them back to the barbecue, so they stayed in the hotel and rested. I got, came walking back into the church, and I had a vision. I saw a pa- I'm in the back of a boat, and I saw a pastor I know real well. He's slaloming on the water, water skiing, doing a slalom course. Awesome, great skiing. And it's like I'm in the back of the boat. Remember how in the Old Testament, Elisha said, Went not my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? I'm sitting in the back of a boat watching this guy skiing. Man, he's doing a great job. Well, I thought my, Mark was going to do the luncheon, so I thought, well, Mark will probably preach on something. And then all of a sudden I heard Mark preach out of Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and 13, Lay aside every weight and every sin which would so easily beset you. I thought, man, this is crazy. So, I've already seen something happen and heard what the pastor's gonna preach. So, we get there, and the pa- pastor asked me if I got anything. I said, no, I don't have anything. And Mark got up and began to preach, preached right out of Hebrews about laying aside weights and sins, things that would so easily beset you. And I'm like, oh my God, Mark's preaching. So, I kind of kept looking at that pastor to see if he was going along with it. He was, and he's a great guy. And so, uh, the pastor of the church, Sarah, when Mark was finished, he said, Joe, you have something? I said, well, I guess I do. I said, you know, I wasn't going to rebuke that guy. I was going to go, we all got things in our lives we might need to get out of our lives just to run faster. You don't want weights. You don't want weights or sin. So I said, let's all examine our lives. So we did that. You know, you kind of take a, just a moment. Used to, you come down to the front and have hands laid on you. But we just examined our hearts for a minute. i never forget the Lord told me when we got quiet. He said, never apologize for your message. So he told me, rebuke me. And uh, so, you know, I'm watching this pastor. He's going, he's going along with us all so cool, so all is well. So we finished. Everything's fine. Praise the Lord. I walked up to him right afterwards and said, Hey, man, you've been water skiing lately. He goes, No, nope, not nope, been too busy. Now I want you to get this. The Lord wants you to water ski better than anybody on the planet. Just don't put it ahead of your call. He wants you to have the most fun water skiing, more fun than you even know how to have. But don't put it ahead of your call. So I thought, well, that's weird. Then I walked up to Mark and you know, we talked around for a few minutes and uh, we got back in the van. Back then, Mark had a mustache, so he'd go like this sometimes when he's freaked out. I said, hey, dude, because <laughs> your a friend of mine. I said, I, I heard you preach what you preach before you preach it. Nah, 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 nah. That's a word of wisdom. <laughs> and then I said, hey, I had a vision. I'm in the back of this boat. I saw this pastor water skiing and, man, Mark freaked out. I said, what's the deal? He goes, I walked up to that pastor. I said, why don't you come to the meeting tonight? He said, well, I'm going into Denver to buy me a new water ski. And then a guy on his staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord's trying to say to you? Maybe you should lay aside some of your skiing. He said, oh, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. Now, see, he missed it altogether. The Lord doesn't want him to stop skiing. He just doesn't want him to have it ahead of his call. So first the Lord tried with the Word, second gifts of the Spirit, and then with someone on the guy's staff. Not because God's mad at him, but because God loves him. If I told Lauren to go out and run a race, I wouldn't go, here's a sack of 50 pounds, take off running. No, I'd try to help her get all the weights off of her. So let's do this. We're closing right now. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads. And let's, let's have a moment of consecration and dedication right before we dismiss. Father, we come to you the last night of uh, of, of being with this church. And we thank you for the destinies represented here tonight. And Lord, we want to accelerate. We want to run faster. So. Uh, We examine our hearts and our lives that we would run faster. We lay aside weights and sins that would so easily beset us. And we look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you for strengthening every person in this room. Boldness for every person in this room. Father, I pray that every person will finish their course with joy. I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.